Welcome to the first 11s of the year. Um, thanks for joining us this morning. And our, our very first speaker is going to be Mary Allen. Um, another group left this piano up here, and I really wished that I could play Mary Allen a song to introduce her, um, but I don't know how. <laughs> Writing by its very nature is a spiritual endeavor, says Mary Allen, and it is, in the most basic way, a sacred act. Holy in both senses of the word, the writer must approach the bare page with all of the humility, grace, irritation, bewilderment, zeal, suspense, and attention of any soul-searching journey. If our urge to write comes from the call to communicate, to deliver the letter to an other, whether that other is the muse, the thought, the god, the reader, the text, the spirit, the beloved, or the self, then we are each in our own intimate, individual way concerned with the spiritual. Says Emily Dickinson, spirit cannot be moved by flesh, it must be moved by spirit. Mary Allen is here to offer suggestions about how to foster and nurture your own spiritual writing practices. She is the author of a memoir, The Rooms of Heaven, and received an MFA from the University of Iowa Writers Workshop. In 2002, she was awarded a National Endowment for the Arts Creative Writing Fellowship for work on a second book-length memoir, and she's taught in the nonfiction writing program here at the University of Iowa and lives and writes also here in Iowa City. So please join me in welcoming Mary Allen. She's gonna put the thing on my, on my collar. Okay, thank you. Okay. Thank you so much, Carol. Sure. And uh, welcome everybody to the Summer Writing Festival. I guess I don't have to lean over to that. Can you can everybody hear me okay? Okay, great. Um, well, today I'm going to talk about uh, something that's an integral part of writing, but that uh, doesn't really get talked about very much. I don't, uh, Carol said I'm going to have a lot of suggestions for how you can do this in your life, and I, I may have some things to say about that later on. But for starters, I'm just going to talk about my ideas about it. Um, uh, in the last few years, I've been working really hard on various spiritual practices, such as um, listening to my intuition getting quiet inside myself and letting go, um, letting go of the stuff that I don't have any control over instead of obsessing about it, having faith that things that are going to happen in the future will happen and just letting go of those, a whole bunch of stuff like that. And as I try to work on that stuff in my own life, it came to me that there's already one area of my life that I'm doing that really well, and that is in my writing. Um, I realize that I'm not doing it in my writing because I'm trying to the way that I'm trying to do it in my life. I'm just doing it because it is part of writing and because the writing itself has forced me to do those things in order to get any good at it. And it's taken me, you know, a long time to even begin to penetrate those sorts of spiritual practices in my writing, but I'm convinced that um, it's, it's something that's really important to writing. Um, and when I realized that, I realized in that same moment that writing itself is an amazing spiritual practice. Um, it's a very practical spiritual practice that we use every day, and it helps us get in touch with something mysterious in a natural way that we don't even have to try or even be aware of to make it happen. Um, there is something mysterious about writing, and I believe that when writing is working, it's working because we as writers are in letting that mysterious thing happen. And when writing isn't working so well for us, I believe that it's also because we can't get to that mysterious thing. Um, we're, you know, it's just too, we're still in the process of learning how to get to it. Um, I am not the only person, obviously, who has said this about writing. In fact, Carol said a few, that quote from Emily Dickinson when she introduced me, but I have a few other things on this topic from the writer's chapbook 
a compendium of fact, opinion, wit, and advice from the 20th century's prominent writers uh, edited by George Plimpton about a long time ago, like in 1987 or something. Um, so here's a little quote from Joseph Heller talking about imagination. I feel that these ideas are floating around in the air and they pick me to settle upon. The ideas come to me, I don't produce them at will. They come to me in the course of a sort of controlled daydream, a directed reverie. Um, here's something that Henry Miller, author of Tropic of Capricorn and all those other books that were considered very sexy in my day, um, says, what is an artist? He's a man, and I will add, or a woman who has antenna, who knows how to hook up to the currents which are in the atmosphere, in the cosmos. He merely has the facility for hooking on, as it were. Everything that we are doing, everything that we think exists already, and we are only intermediaries, that's all, who make use of what is in the air. Um, there's quite a few things like this sort of sandwiched in among these quotes, so I'm just going to stick to a couple. Here's a nice one from John Hershey, who wrote, I think, uh, Bell for Adonis and some other important books. Um, when the writing is really working, I think there is something like dreaming going on. It usually takes place in the earlier stages in the drafting process. When I feel engaged with the passage of writing, I become so lost in it that I'm unaware of my real surroundings, totally involved in the pictures and sounds that that passage evokes. So I think it's a kind of dream state of some sort, though it has baffled most people who've tried to analyze just what takes place in the creative process. Even Freud, who gave up on almost nothing, seemed to have given up on that. It remains mysterious. So there is just something unavoidably mysterious about writing when it's working. Um, now here's my very favorite quote on this subject, and it comes from Jean Cocteau, whom I usually think of as a French director, but who also wrote uh, novels. I feel myself inhabited by a force or being very little known to me. It gives the orders I follow. The conception of my novel, Les Enfants Terribles, came to me from a friend from what he told me of a circle, a family closed from societal life. I commenced to write. Exactly 17 pages per day. Oh my God, who's he kidding? Um, it went well. I was pleased with it, very. There was in the original life story some connection with America, and I had something I wanted to say about America. Poof! The being in me did not want to write that. <laughs> Dead halt. A month of stupid staring at paper, unable to say anything. One day it commenced again in its own way. I love the way he says, the being in me did not want to write that. Um, I was talking about this idea with a friend of mine who is a novelist, and I said, do you, do you have anything like that? And he said, yeah. The being in me is like a guy in the phone booth behind me, and he's pounding on the, the wall of the phone booth, and I can barely hear him. Um, uh, so anyway, I, I believe that for me, one of the biggest parts of learning over the years and continuing to learn about writing has been finding ways to sort of get out of the way and let myself connect with that thing inside me, whatever it is. Um, I've learned that when I'm stuck, it's usually because I have in my mind, just like that John Cocteau quote, something that I think I'm supposed to do. And there's something in me, whatever that is, my intuition or my writing being or whatever, that does not want to do that or that knows that that's not the right thing to do. And so I will remain stuck until I can let go of that idea that I have and just let that more natural process take place. Um, so in the process of doing that, to take it from writing into my own life, what I've had to learn over time by letting go and listening to that thing inside myself, I've sort of learned how to um, let go of my ego and the part of me that resides in my brain and listen to something deeper inside me, which some people might call that thing intuition or, or whatever it is. Um, and um, when I've tried to do that in my own life, it's, it's much more difficult for me to actually let go and listen to something deeper inside myself. Um, and sometimes I can say, oh, let's try doing it the way that I do when I'm writing. 
when I first started writing, I had a really hard time listening to that intuition inside myself. And that something would pop into my mind about what to write, and I would go, nah, I'm not going to pay attention to that. Because it would seem like, oh, that doesn't fit into the story, or that's not, that's not what I'm supposed to be saying. So I, and I would edit it before I even wrote it down. And what I've learned how to do over time is sit quietly and actually pay attention to that inner something and, and write those things down, um, even if they don't seem to make sense. And whenever I do that, I always get something amazing. And I've also designed some exercises, which I'll talk about sort of towards the end of this talk, to help me get out of my own way and, and let that inner whatever that is, intuition or something, um, come through more easily. Um, um, so, I, I, this is not about religion at all, but I do want to talk a little bit about spiritual ideas that have sort of come to me partly through this whole writing thing. Um, it is because of that sort of connecting with that deeper thing inside myself that I feel like I've actually come to believe in something larger than myself, which is a living thing in my own life. Um, I, I, I don't want to step on anybody's toes or anything, but um, I believe that Western religion teaches us, or maybe doesn't teach us because the better writings in Western religion don't teach us that, but anyway, when I was a kid and I was going to church, I got the idea that God was like something separate from me, like a guy in the sky. And I've never been able to quite get rid of that thought inside myself. Um, and because of that, I can't ever even think the word God. I have a hard time because when I hear the word God or think the word God, all of a sudden the guy in the sky comes into my mind. And then I feel totally separated from whatever that is. But with writing, that is nothing like that. That is something very spiritual, which is deep inside myself that I am inextricably bound up with and connected to intimately. And it's something that is part of me that is perhaps part of something larger than me. And that gives me a different way of thinking about spirituality that, is, that I believe also goes along with what Eastern religion is talking about and, and, and all kinds of things. Even the Bible says this, the, um, the kingdom of heaven is within you. And so writing gives me a way to actually um, experience that. Um, I also believe that even the reason that I write it all has some kind of spiritual something to it. One time my friend Joanne Beard, I know a lot of you are familiar with her writing, she wrote The Boys of My Youth, and I were sitting around on the phone talking about why we write. And we were discussing, do we write for ourselves or do we write for other people? And I realized in that moment that I don't write for either. I do not write for myself and I do not write for other people. I write for something else which I think of sort of as inner necessity or something like that. And if I could use the word God without popping into the guy in the sky thing, I might use that word for it. But I can't, so I don't. Um, but I, I just think there's something about the whole process which is very exciting and mysterious um, in a ways that I've never been able to feel about religion. Um, I could go through a whole list of spiritual principles and how they come into play with writing. I can't think of one single spiritual principle that you don't use in some way in your writing. Love is something that I have been forced to practice in my writing because I have to treat my characters lovingly or myself lovingly when I'm writing about myself as a memoir writer. Um, faith. I'm forced to have faith because when you're writing, you know, when you're writing you never know what's going to happen. Um, at the end of the process. And we embark on these long projects sometimes and you just break it down one day at a time and you have faith and you sort of let go of the results. And also you do it for, for itself, not for the end result. And that's another spiritual idea. Um, but I'm going to focus on one more, just say a little bit more in detail about one other spiritual practice that I have learned a lot about through my writing and that is the practice of mindfulness. What you know, John Kabat-Zinn, Eckhart Tolle, have made that idea very popular and very common. Um, to me, mindfulness means um, seeing the world around you, being in the world, 
being in the moment instead of being inside your head worrying about something. I, I've noticed that I can spend hours, days, even weeks barely touching down in my own life where I'm just thinking about something. And I think when they're talking about mindfulness, they're talking about not doing that, but actually um, being in the moment. Um, um, so I have been trying to do that in my own life. You know, I walk my dog every day on this path by Little Creek, and, and my goal is during that time to be mindful and see the trees and be in the moment instead of worrying about money or some stupid thing like that. And I have found it to be amazingly hard. I can do it for a few minutes, and then I find myself, oh, I'm thinking about something. Um, but again, I realized that writing is the one area where writing forces me to be mindful. And that is because writing itself is an exercise in the power of now. It just inevitably is. There's no way around it. Um, and. Um, one of my favorite quotes is, God is in the details. And it's the details in narrative writing that count. You know, narrative writing is what probably most of you are doing and that I'm doing. Anything that tells a story instead of just an information book. A narrative is a memoir, it's a novel, it's a short story, sometimes it's a poem. Um, and in narrative writing, the details are what is powerful. Um, I coach writing all the time and I'm always working with writers and trying to show them here's what you can do to make your writing work better and so many times what it comes down to is letting the details speak for themselves instead of interpreting the story telling the reader what to think so if you say she is pretty that's interpreting it and the reader cannot see her so the reader cannot enter into the story but if you describe her and don't tell us she's pretty then the reader enters in and becomes part of it. She, the reader sees her. That's where the details are just everything in narrative writing. And you'll notice if you read the greats like Tobias Wolfe or Flannery O'Connor or you read a great memoir like The Glass Castle by Jeanette Walls or something, that's what they do. If you look closely, they just let the details be there on the page and they let you draw the interpretations from the details. And, um, you know, I sort of believe that whole God is in the details thing. Um, that there, a detail has more in it than anything that we could ever come up with in our heads. Just one single detail. And so it's, it's the requirement of seeing those details and keeping them on the page and focusing in your writing as you're writing and also as you're revising so that you see the details. That's part of writing well. That's part of being in the now too, and it's, it's necessary to do that. I just listened to um, an interview from 1987 with Alice Munro, who wrote, you know, just one of the best short story writers we have, and it said that Alice Munro is in love with the surface of things, and that really comes through in her books. Her books are full of the details of the world and, that they create, um, and you when you read them, you're in that world and you're seeing everything because it's so full of the surface of things. And again, for me, that's all about being in the now. So um, another part of that for me is that as I, when I'm writing, when I'm in writing mode, um, writing itself forces me to observe life because I'm going to have to write about it. I was on vacation a couple of years ago, and I was riding around with my uh, stepson. And I was all worried about, are we going to get where we need to go on time? And, you know, why aren't we having more fun and all that? And all of a sudden, I said to him, I need to start thinking about this as if I'm going to write about it. Because, and, and when I did that, when I started thinking about it as if I was going to write about it, all of a sudden, everything changed, and I saw where we were. I saw everything. I saw the details of everything. And I accepted the details of everything, including what I was thinking myself. And, and that, I think, is what they're talking about when they talk about the power of now or when they're talking about mindfulness. But it's really hard to do it just because you want to. But writing makes us do that or can make us do it. And um, it can help our writing and also can help us in our lives when we do that. Um, 
So how can we use all this information in a practical way? <laughs> I was thinking about this. I took a linguistics class once, and they taught us all this stuff about language, but it wasn't anything we really needed to know because it was just something somebody had observed about how language works. And I think to some extent this is like that. It's not like this is something we need to learn and then go home and do it because you can't go home and do it. That's the paradox of all these things. You can't, um, if you try to let go, you will not be able to let go. And it, for me, when I try to be mindful, all of a sudden I'm not mindful. And with this stuff, we're just doing it as we write. You know, it's the practice of writing and continuing to work and pursue the practice of writing over time that makes us do all these things, or at least it has me. Um, but I do believe that thinking about this stuff can help us in our writing, and it can also help us in our lives. Um, and I also think that there are certain ways that we can cultivate that mysterious something that happens when we write and also that ability to observe the details and, and see the details and be in the moment with the details. Um, and, I mean, it's sort of like the desire to write well will do it and make you do anything. That's what I've learned over the years. The desire to write well has taken me to so many places that I would never want, you know, it's caused me to learn discipline, it's caused me to uh, be in the moment, it's forced me to do all this stuff because it feels so good when you're writing well. And I think that part of the reason it feels so good when we're writing well is because we're doing all those spiritual things that we don't even know we're doing. Um, so part of the reason that knowing this stuff and becoming consciously aware of it helped me in my life is that now Sometimes, like that time when I was on vacation, I was riding around with my steps on, I can go, oh, let me try to do, let me try to reproduce what I do in my writing. Let me think about, I can write about this. That's one of the practical ways that I think it can help us um, in our lives. And um, I also think that it can help us in our writing because we have a clearer idea of what we're going for, really. You know, I think a lot of times there's confusion about why do we write and what do we hope to get out of our writing um, in particular, there's publishing, you know, there's the outside world thing, and um, I, I, sometimes when I coach, people get very derailed by the whole idea of, you know, I have to do this in a certain way so that I can publish it, or I have to do this in a certain time so that I can publish it, blah, blah, blah. And what I say is that writing is a thing of the spirit. It just inevitably is. And publishing is a thing of the world. And when you try to mix the thing of the world and the thing of the spirit, it doesn't fit very well together. And it's like oil and water, literally, and publishing is the oil. And it, it gets in there and it makes it much harder for us to pursue it. Um, I also think that when you're cultivating writing in this way, it's, it's, it changes the focus a little bit from the idea of I am a good writer or a bad writer or I must be a good writer too. This is a practice that I'm pursuing and I will continue to pursue it because I do pursue it. And that's the only way that writing can be done. I really believe it. Um, something that has happened to me over the last, you know, maybe 10 years, when I first started writing, I was very worried about whether or not I was a good writer or a bad writer. And um, to the point where it was very hard for me to write, and if I thought, you know, I would get on these things where I thought that I was a brilliant writer, okay, but then the other side of that was I would get on the thing where I thought I was a bad writer, and then I would stop writing. Now I see that it doesn't have anything to do with any of that. It has to do with the writing itself, the practice of writing itself, and that all you, the only thing you can do wrong with writing, the only way you can ever become a bad writer is to not, is to just give up forever. Um, and I think that that's spiritual too. It's, it's sort of understanding, you know, like people get hung up on this idea, is my subject matter too much like other people's subject matter? That's a thing of the world too. It's the thing of the spirit, which is really what writing is, is what is my story? And how do I tell my story and how do I practice this practice in an everyday way? Um, and, you know, even with spiritual ideas, it's so easy to, like, 
get them outside of ourselves and then struggle with them. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about I must do a something a certain way. It's, it's about finding the place inside yourself where you feel really connected and um, accepting it when you can't find that place and, and just continuing on till you find that place again. Um, so I've developed a few um, exercises and practices that I use for myself and then also I use with my students and the people I coach to help them sort of cultivate that being inside of them or to get out of that being's way and to let whatever it is in you, being is a terrible word because that also implies that it's something out of you, outside of you. But um, one thing is something that I call fast writing. Everybody who works with me will be familiar with this because I make everybody do it. And it's not a new idea. Natalie Ginsburg talks about it in Writing Down the Bones and a bunch of other people have talked about it too. Um, it, it came into my life sort of slowly and gradually and it totally changed my entire writing life. Um, and I believe that it changed it because it allowed me to trick myself to get out of my own way to a certain extent and let that thing happen <laughs> instead of you know, being in my own way with fear, is it any good, is it bad, how am I doing it, how fast am I doing it, um, who in the writer's workshop is going to hate this, you know, all of those things. Um, so, and all it is is something very simple. I sit down, I'll just talk about my practice, I sit down with a friend, usually in the same room, sometimes not, sometimes we call each other on the phone, and we know what we're going to write about, usually, or sometimes we figure it out, first, help each other figure it out, and then we say, let's write for as fast as we can for a certain period of time. Usually half hour is about the most, sometimes 20 minutes or sometimes even less. And then we each sit there separately and write as fast as we can without editing, stopping, worrying about whether it's good in any way, we just let it happen. And then when that time is over, we read it to each other and then we praise it. We do not critique it, there's no critiquing at all. We say, oh, this is what's great about this. And that process, through that process, I feel like I have let so many things into my writing that I never could have planned with my mind. Um, and sure, I've written a lot of really crappy writing that way, but it gives me something to work with later on. Um, and my writing has surprised me over and over when, by doing fast writing. Something will come up and I'll, because I'm just writing down whatever it'll be, won't make any sense at all, but I'll put it down. And then when I read it to my partner, I go, oh, that's not so stupid as I thought. And then later on, you know, maybe 100 pages later in the book or something, that very thing will come back. That is never, ever something I could ever plan in my mind with an outline or anything like that. And it helps me let go. And that's what we need to do, is sort of pry our fingers off the controls just a little bit. We have to use them because we are the ones who are writing. It's not like somebody else is doing the writing, but it allows me to let go with my mind and just sort of let that something happen that, that can happen inside me when you connect with whatever it is, that larger spiritual thing. Um, I have had people say to me, well, I can write pretty well when I'm doing fast writing, but when it comes time for me to edit my stuff, that's when I really start to muck it up. You know, I just go in there and ruin it. And I believe that that's because, you know, when they're doing the fast writing, they're letting go, but when they're editing, then their mind gets connected, you know, and they think, this is what's good, or this is what's not good, or this is what I should do. And so my solution to that is that you never want to be too far away from that thing inside you, that intuition or whatever that unnamed thing is. So when I'm editing, which I spend a lot of time doing, a good portion of my writing time I'm actually working with what I got when I was fast writing with my friend and, and putting it together and going through it with a fine tooth comb and all of that, finding different language and so forth. And when I'm doing that, um, I try still to stay silent inside myself. like. If I don't know what to do, which is a lot of the time, I just sit there and wait for a minute. Or maybe I go to another part of what I'm working on and I work on that. And something pops into my mind 
and then then I know what the right thing to do is. So again, I'm I'm still connecting to that that deeper silent whatever it is inside myself, or maybe not so silent. Um, and there's never any time in my writing when I well, I would anyway. I would hope ideally there would not be a time in my life my writing when I'm just in my head, because that's when I start to muck it up. Um, well, we have about a half an hour left, and I could go on and on, but I'm wondering if anybody has any questions. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, did everybody hear that? When, you, when I'm doing fast writing, do I choose subjects that have something to do with the surface of life, right? Or do, would I work on something abstract like democracy or something like that? Um, when I first started doing this, um, I actually did it again with my friend Joanne Beard. And in a long, long time ago, when we made a list of a list called, and um, there were things like experience with an insect experience with a car, experience watching television. And um, because we were both writing about our lives, or we were writing memoir, we weren't writing about stuff like democracy, which in a way is a whole different kind of writing in my view. Um, and, and then we did those writings. And, and by the way, a lot of those writings for her turned into the essays that are in the boys of my youth, and one of them turned into my the beginning of my book. So um, it can really work that way. I. Because I'm a narrative writer, I'm, I'm more writing about the world and things that happened in the world, stories, you know, through fiction, essays, memoir. Um, I tend not to be writing about abstract ideas like democracy. I totally believe that the story itself and the details of the story will contain every single thing you need to say about anything. You know, you may not think you're writing something about democracy, but if you write a story about something that happened, it may tell something more powerful about democracy than you ever could. But um, what I tend to do is start with the story of, of something that happened in the world. And I guess the operant words there are, that happened. Um, with fiction, we are creating characters and we're imagining things that happened to them. If you're writing memoir, as I have been, perhaps memoir might be, in my view, a slightly easier form to work with, then I'm writing about things that happen in my life. Um, anybody have any other questions? Uh, have you ever considered the source of this spiritual being, that is, where does it reside? Is it in the unconscious and the right brain? Have you done any reading on that or thought about it? Well, no. Um, <laughs> I guess I figure that's something that I can't really know and that um, I sort of don't want to know. Like if I thought about that it was you, you can access it more readily. Well, see, I'm not sure because I think that the way to access it is to um, let it come to me, to let go and sit quietly and let it come to me. And I don't actually, I mean, accessing for me makes me think of like going after it. And then when I try to go after it, then I, that part of me that wants to control things or hold on or make something happen sort of clicks in. And, and even to find out where it is would do that to me in a way. And I, I'm not sure we can know where it is. I mean, even if we said it resides in the right brain, what does that mean? I mean, it doesn't tell us what it is. And, you know, the word unconscious is a lovely word. We've been using that's an acceptable word, unlike, you know, it's acceptable to whatever, <laughs> those who don't want to talk about spiritual things. But it still doesn't say anything. You know, what is the unconscious? And then Freud, uh, uh, Jung talks about the collective unconscious, which is a lovely idea, but what does that mean, you know? And there's always been things that have been said about those ideas that then diminish them and bring them down to something really simple. And I just think it's, for me, it's easier and better to let it be the essential mystery that it is, and also to approach it experientially. Like, I know when I'm connected because I feel it. And that's what I try to pay attention to. And I believe that whatever it is speaks to us from within, you know. And it, it's, the trick is to be open to that and let that happen. You know, like leaving, opening that door 
sometimes I think of it as it comes from the basement of your mental house. You gotta open the door to the basement, which is not easy to do. And um, I also sort of believe that if you have a lot of really painful stuff in your unconscious, it can be much harder to open to it and let and just let yourself write. Like when I lived in I lived in Cambridge, Massachusetts, a long time ago, and I had a good friend who was getting a PhD from MIT in this completely technical field, but he wanted to be a writer. But he also had a lot of really painful stuff in, inside. And he always talked about writing in this very violent way. Like he would say, I slammed the ending onto the story. <laughs> I, I cracked open the beginning or whatever. And I sort of, now I kind of think of that as, he was trying to get the, his basement door open, but it kept slamming shut. <laughs> or he was slamming it shut, opening it, slamming it shut, opening it, and slamming it shut. And you know, it was a very, very hard thing for him. And I, I sort of hope that he's um, gotten to a better place now. I, that which also brings up another subject for me, which is healing. Um, I, I believe that writing itself can be a tremendously healing process. And um, there has been uh, actual clinical psychological research into this. There's a book called, um, I think, Opening Up or something, and there's some other books too, some people here may be familiar with it, that say they've studied it. When people write about uh, their, tr their traumas, their deeply, you know, their most painful things, then they studied them and they found out that those people had stronger immune systems, um, they got jobs more quickly, they had a whole bunch of very real, real life results that people in you know, the study who didn't do the writing didn't have. So from that they concluded, oh, writing really is a healing thing. Well, of course, all of us writers already sort of know that. And um, I wrote uh, my book, The Rooms of Heaven, is um, a literary memoir about a trauma thing that happened to me. Some people are probably familiar with it. I, this guy I was in love with committed suicide and I wrote this book about it. And it took me about seven years to write it. And I love to tell people that um, if you ever want to get over something, write a book about it <laughs> because by the end, you will have looked at every single aspect of it so many times that uh, for, for me, I was actually kind of bored by the whole thing because it takes so long to write about it. And um, you know, I was like, now what did that guy look at like? I spent so much time thinking about that and trying to get it all down. And, it, and writing truly is a way of healing. Um, and I also believe that Writing, if you're really having a hard time getting to your writing, you know, like that guy who was opening and slamming shut <laughs> over and over his basement door, that may mean that there's something in you that you don't want to look at. And that, um, I, personally, I sort of believe there's really not much way around looking at those things ultimately, and that it, not looking at them is the worst way of kind of looking at them of, of all. So, um, the other thing is that in, in the editing of writing, you know, the fast writing is a way to, to get it out on the page, to let the story unfold. It's, very, it's a good way also of shaping your story. Like I teach this class in July here called Finding the Story in Your Story. We all have these wonderful stories in our lives, but how to make those stories into a story on the page, you know, instead of just a little series of moments or this happened and this happened and this happened. And fast writing, if you really approach fast writing in, in an open-winded way and you let it take you where it will take you, that will show you what your story is right away, in my experience. I've seen it happen so many times. People will start off writing about something, they'll get two sentences and all of a sudden they'll go right to the thing that's the story, right to the heart of the story. And it's a good way of letting that happen. But once you get that material down, you have to work with it. I have to work with mine a lot. And it's also in the editing, that too is a kind of spiritual practice because what I have found is that um, writing works if it's neutral or loving towards the people in it. Um, if your writing is full of unconscious or perhaps conscious resentments, and snide comments and stuff like that, it doesn't work very well. So writing the editing, taking that out and neutralizing the language and letting the reader do, you know, letting the reader draw the conclusions, that too is a kind of spiritual practice because it forces you to let go, at least in some part on the page, of those kinds of resentments. 
and um, sort of becoming aware of all of that and, and is also part of writing and the spiritual practice because the awareness rises up in you as you're editing and you can see, oh, I guess I really hate George, <laughs> you know, or whatever, and that's okay. I'm not saying you should not hate George at all, but there are certain ways that if that comes through the writing unconsciously, it makes the writing not work very well because you're telling the reader essentially that they need to hate George too. But if you just say what George did and let the reader come to hate them, hate him on their own, that's what makes the writing work. Like, I don't know how many, if you've ever read that memoir, The Glass Castle by Jeanette Walls, she's telling this horrible story about growing up in alcoholism and how her father, basically they, the kids starved and they were terribly poor and the parents said all sorts of awful things, but she never says that. She just tells you what they did. And you go, oh my God. <laughs> um, does anybody else have any other questions? I, I just want to share my pancake. Right. So Absolutely. Totally. Right. Like you don't try to control it in any way. You And actually it's not relationship with a car, it's experience in a car. Experience in a car. So that just gives you like a jumping off point. And yeah, you don't try to control it at all. Because if you do, you're getting in the way and you're not letting that thing inside you, or whatever it is. Sometimes I think the memory is also a very great spiritual gift because you, what you remember is actually something really interesting because if you didn't remember it, it wouldn't be. So if you just put down what you remember and you just let it take you wherever it takes you instead of trying to control it, that's exactly what you do. And you, you're only looking for a jumping off point. Like if you say, well, I don't know what I'm going to write about. <laughs> and then you started. You wouldn't get anywhere because you'd be floating around in a in a um, vacuum, kind of. And, and also, what I do is um, give people a list of prompts, like experience with an insect, experience in a vehicle, experience watching television, or whatever. And then I say, on that list of prompts, put down the very first thing that pops into your mind. Because that, too, is like a fish that you're unconscious or took, is throwing up out of the water to you. And if you go, nah, I don't want to write about that, then you're ignoring <laughs> your fish. You're not, you're very hard to learn how to honor your intuition and your unconscious. This is not an easy thing to do, really. And everybody has resistance to it, and I have resistance to it. But the writing itself will make you do it. And, and what I say to people is, write down the first thing that pops into your mind, no matter how bad an idea it seems like. Because that's your unconscious giving you a clue. And you don't have to write about it. And if you write one sentence and it turns into something else, great. But the whole process is sort of trying to let go of that control and all those, I should do this, and let it drive the car. Because it knows better than we do. I believe that. It's a great question. Sure, it turns into whatever it wants to be. Um, I, because I uh, have been writing memoir for a long time, it's never turned into fiction for me. Um, what I have learned about myself is that I can make a story out of my life. I cannot make up a story. So that's just my, you know, my particular way of being as a writer. Well. The thing about that, too, yeah, I think they should just turn into whatever they turn into, and that's great. You know, I think that's, that's exactly what's supposed to happen. Whatever's supposed to happen, whatever happens when you really try to let go is what's supposed to happen. But um, a thing about memory, too, that I want to share is that um, I often have people say, I can't write a memoir because I don't remember anything. <laughs> I don't have any memories, or I only have five memories or something. And um, that... Happen, I wrote a memoir, I'm still writing a memoir about my childhood. And when I started, I wanted to do that for a long time, but when I started doing it, I went, oh my God, I'm in trouble, I don't remember anything. <laughs> I can't do this. But as I did the writing, in the writing itself, the memories came to me. And that too is what writing does. You know, is, and I'm not suggesting that you write about your memories. If, if fiction is where you go, then that's what you need to do. But just to address that idea of I have no memories, 
when you when you just let it happen, you will be amazed the memories that you can remember that come to you in detail, and and it's because all that is stored inside you, is just, um, it's it's like in the basement instead of up here, and you have to let it let it come up. So, anybody else? Oh, uh, see, I actually always, I don't even write a post-it note anymore with my own handwriting because it doesn't even work. But, so I do it on the laptop. But I have had a lot of people that I've done it with who have done it by hand, and they do sometimes have problems reading their writing. And also they have problems with writer's cramp. You know, like their arms get really stiff. And I don't know what to say about that except a laptop works for me. And I think that if you're writing it so fast that you, so fast that you can't read your writing, which would definitely be my thing, um, maybe try writing a little bit more slowly. Or again, a laptop is a good solution because you can take them anywhere. You can plug them in anywhere. And well, it does. I sh did. Everybody hear that? She said, uh, "Computer affects the creativity." I agree with that. But for me, it, it makes it better, <laughs> not worse. <laughs> I mean, um, because I just can't. I have so many problems with handwriting and, and writer's cramp and everything that I, I'll just not, you know, just stop writing altogether and it'll be tiny little dots on the page or something. So, um, you know, I think that if, the, if only the handwriting works for you, and I've done fast writing with people that it only works for them, then. Um, Maybe if you typed it right away afterwards while it was still in your mind and so it was easier for you to interpret the writing, you know, the handwriting. And um, I don't know what to say about writer's cramp. I've definitely had people, <laughs> their arms are killing them. <laughs> well, I have. <laughs> people are, no, I hear people are laughing because in my book, The Rooms of Heaven, Part of it is about the death of this guy that I loved, and then this another part of it is how I basically brought him back to life by doing the Ouija board and then doing automatic writing. And um, I don't know how many people have read that book, but um, because I have had so much experience with a Ouija board, for me, it is nothing like the same thing. Um, although I think that there is a connection for some people. Like I found there's a quote in um, this chat book. Um, I think it was James Merrill and his partners got this whole long poem supposedly through the Ouija board. But when I do stuff like that, I think of it as coming from some spirit. And when I'm doing my writing, I'm thinking of it as coming from something definitely inside me. And um, so for me, the two kinds of writing are not really connected. Although I've definitely had people, other people have asked me that too. And when I was doing it, I graduated from the Ouija board to automatic writing where you hold a pen in your hand and it kind of writes something, or at least it seems to. And I did that all for a long time <laughs> and then had very bad results after a while. But um, again, that for me is nothing like the fast writing that I do now. They're not even closely related. Because you know when you're doing fast writing, it's like a collaboration between your mind and the above world and something deep inside you that may be connected to something else that's even more mysterious. That's how I look at it. But it's, I, I, there's a wonderful metaphor for this that I've read. It's sort of like using a vacuum cleaner, that's like a handheld vacuum cleaner. Um, if you, you turn it on and then the power may, gives it the power to vacuum. And it won't, it'll be really hard to vacuum if it's not turned on. But if you turn it on and just leave it lying on the floor, which is what automatic writing and Ouija board is to me, it will not it will not vacuum, you know. And and it's the same thing. If I had tried to do any real writing like through Ouija board or automatic writing, it would not work. <laughs> I know because I've really experimented with that. But that's a great question. Anybody else want to ask anything? You mean not literally, but sleeping and before you look at it again, or? <laughs> <laughs> sure, I I don't exactly do it as systematically as that. Like I don't wait for a month or, or necessarily, but I do think that it's definitely good to separate the writing from the editing in, over with time because for me um, there's such an 
temptation to edit that um, when I really originally, part of the reason that I had to develop this way of writing is that um, there was a time shortly after I graduated from the Iowa Writers Workshop, as a matter of fact, when I could, I was on the three sentence a day schedule. I would write one sentence and then I would fall on it and start to edit it. And then I would get three sentences and probably I would use one of them if that. And I never would have written anything if I had kept going that way. So I learned through practice, through this practice, that I have got to separate the writing from the editing. And it is good to separate them from, with time. Um, I don't, I just do it however I need to do it. I mean, I actually am working sometimes with fast writing that I've written years ago because now I see how it fits into the book project that I have. And I've also gotten ideas for book projects through the fast writing. Um, I mean, I, for a while, was working with language that I wrote like in 1993 or something this year. But um, at the very least, I would do it the following day. You know, it depends on what I'm doing, how soon I need to work with what I got. And for me, I definitely think sleeping, sleeping is one area where your unconscious gets more engaged or is engaged completely because the brain thing just basically quits. Um, I've even taken naps during the day to just sort of like erase my brain and, and come at it from a more fresh way. And um, so I don't think that there's a rule for how long you should sit on it or sleep on it or leave it alone before you work with it. But I definitely think it's good to never edit right after you've done fast writing. And the important thing about fast writing when you do it with a partner is the absolute most important thing is that they do not tell you what's wrong with what you wrote. Because if they do, that engages that editing part of you and, you, and it'll make it much harder to let go and just let it happen the next time you do it. You will always be hearing that voice in your head. And so, you know, it's, that's easier for some people than for other people. And if you have a fast writing partner who will not stop telling you what's wrong with what you wrote, then you say, hmm, I guess I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> because it's just, that's so important. And, you know, like what, there's so much negativity out there that we absorb about our writing. And, you know, that fear of writing badly and that fear of what other people are going to think of it, that, that having to unlearn that and learn how to let go of that has been a huge part of my writing process. And, you know, I, there is a time when you have to write, you have to get it into shape so that other people can read it. And then you have to be able to, you know, be in touch with what needs to be changed, what's not finished, maybe get some suggestions and help from somebody else. But that needs to be separate from the time when you're actually writing it and connecting with that self inside you which is generating it. So it's not your fault. Oh no, well, um, for a long time I did it uh, once a week with the same person and we did it for three half hours. So we'd write for a half hour, stop, read what we wrote, say what we liked, praise it, make the other person, then you know, you, you, that's, and then we'd do it for two more half hours. Now I just sort of do it, I usually do it at least once a week, sometimes I do it for a half an hour every day with somebody. It, and then it just sort of depends. Um, I think if you're just starting off doing it, it'd probably be better to do it more often than once a month. And I think that this is something that anybody can use in your life. You know, if you just find a partner who wants to do fast writing with you, and they don't even have to live in the same area, because I sometimes do it on the phone. That's how addicted I am to this process. We call each other up and we say, okay, this is what I'm gonna write about. Let's write for a half an hour, and then we hang up, and then we do the writing, and then we call each other back and read it and say what's good about it. Because it's something, when I do that, it allows me to let go and write. I, if Even now, after all these years of doing fast writing, I can't do it alone. I have to have that other person there making me do it. And when I first did it with my person I did it once a week for three half hours, she was so diligent in the way that she would do it. <laughs> I would look over, I would try to get her attention, and she would be like, writing, and she would not in any way ever stop. And so that's kind of what makes you keep doing it. No, they're doing their own writing. Well, 
usually they don't need to do that because they'll just say what they what sticks in their mind about it. Um, I, I've never really done that I've, unless the person wrote something really really long and I can't remember it. Um, I in the same way that what stands out in your memory is what's the most important, what sticks in your mind from somebody's writing is often like the best part of it or the most startling part of it. And so. Um, Yeah, no, 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 they don't, no, never stop. And, um, but we do it in chunks, like, you know, you write for half hour, they're writing for half hour, you read, you're there, yours there, you read, there, whatever, them, yours, and they tell you what's great about it. And then they read you, theirs, and you tell them what's great about it for that chunk, and then you go on and do that twice more. I have a handout about this, so if anybody wants it, you can send me an email and I'll forward it to you. Well, yes, and that's why it's really important not to give feedback because you can praise and say what's great, but if that person's giving you feedback and that is influencing you, then that too can get in the way of letting that thing you know, letting your own writing higher power come through. You know, nobody can know what you're supposed to write except for you. You know, and once you've written it, then you can get feedback and somebody can say, well, maybe you should do this or maybe you should do that. But when you're doing the fast writing, it's important that you just open up and let that thing happen. So, yeah, it's better not, it's better people don't give you feedback so much as just say, oh, I really loved that. <laughs> and here's what I loved. You know, I love the way you did this. I love the way you did something else. And, and, um, because yeah, that, that's a really good point. I'm sorry, is there a couple of people? I would praise it. I would lie. Because I, I would, I, I'm not kidding, I would. I would say, oh, I love that. And I love the fact that you were able to just let all that happen. And I, um, I would, I'm not kidding. Because for me, it's really important for people to hear something positive, to give them the courage to go on. And if there's nothing specifically to praise, I would just do it in a general way. <laughs> I just say about 40 times, oh, I love that. <laughs> or, you know, because there is a time when you can help people make their finish their writing. I do that all the time in my coaching and in my teaching too. But when the, when you're doing the fast writing, that's not the time, you know. And and also I have to say that I have never in all these years that I've teaching and doing fast writing ever have had that experience where there was never anything that I loved in it, ever. And um, for in my experience, when people start having the problems with the writing is when they have problems with the process. You know, like the harder it is for you to let go, the harder it is for you to get something good. And, and also, when I teach and coach, I do sort of suggest that people try to connect with the specific memories that they have um, rather than writing about something really abstract or whatever because it's the specific memories, it's like that God is in the details thing. The writing, a lot of the times, the specific details is really where the story is. <coughs> and then and will surprise you too. There's somebody else on that side of So your feedback is nothing more but to encourage you to do more of the same. Yeah, exactly. To encourage you to do more of the same thing. And, and when you read it aloud, it's like what happens to almost everybody is after you've written this thing and you've written it kind of in a trance and you think, oh, that was so horrible. And then you read it to somebody and then you can go, oh, that actually wasn't that horrible. And then they tell you that, that it was, they give you that encouragement to keep going by telling you that, you know, that it was good and et cetera. And um, that, it does all kinds of things. It gives you a sense of an audience right away. It helps you create your own voice. It um, gives you the courage to keep going. It helped, and it's amazing how feeling good about something, oh, it's time to quit. Feeling good about something makes you want to go on with it. Like I like to say, if you say you look good in that shirt to somebody, they will wear it every day. 
But if you say to somebody, that shirt looks terrible, all they will do is go home and feel bad about themselves. And that's what you need with writing, is you need the courage to feel good about it. And that courage will carry you over then into the parts where you're editing it and you're focusing it and you're doing all that work to make it a finished piece. So I guess that's it. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I, my email address, right? Okay, does everybody have a pen? I'll give you my email address if you would like me to um, forward you my handout about how to do the fast writing. My email address is just Mary Allen, so that's my name, M-A-R-Y-A-L-L-E-N, no punctuation, no caps, at, and then it's this long string of letters, M as in Mary, C as in Charles, H as in Howard, S as in Sam, I as in idiot.com. And that's, the, that's for the cable thing in Iowa City. So mchsi.com. <laughs>